Welcome to Create Photography. This is Daniel Sig. In today's episode, I will have a conversation with Minneapolis-based photographer Valerie Chardin. Valerie is a professional photographer, educator, author, blogger, and podcaster. Valerie is a visual storyteller recognized internationally for her street photography. She leads workshops worldwide, writes books, produces a weekly podcast, and is an official ex-photographer for Fujifilm USA. Valerie, welcome to Create Photography, and thanks so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Valerie, on your website, you state that Photography changed your life. The day you picked up a camera, you became a storyteller. Can you tell me more about that day and maybe your subsequent journey with your cameras? Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> actually, I, I, I picked up the camera quite late uh, in life. Um, I had already moved to the U.S. and uh, I uh, I had two two young children and uh and I decided that I wanted to to do wildlife photography kind of crazy huh when you have two two young children but you know how it is you live in uh you move to an area like Minnesota where you know we have we have wolves we have we have um bears we have coyotes mm -hmm. in the backyard and you just want to <laughs> it's coming from europe you know all this this uh, this wildlife that's so readily available you just want to mm -hmm. capture it like uh, jim brandenburg and <laughs> and actually i became a photographer because of jim and mm. and who has become a friend since then but which is quite interesting that i went from being so inspired by his work um and dabbled a little bit in wildlife, but then soon realized like, well, yeah, as a mother of two young children, uh, mm -hmm. doing wildlife photography was probably not going to work very well. So um, then I, I started photographing children, <laughs> which mm. is a, a wildlife of its own. Mm -hmm. and, uh, <laughs> and then I started just doing... Um, so I'm I'm talking, you know, 20 years ago, I started doing mm -hmm. candid um, children portraiture, which at the time nobody was doing. And, uh, you know, it was mostly studio set up kind of corny, you know, cheese uh, portraits. <laughs> and um, and so it was more that that photojournalistic of recording the life of a of a child. So. Mm -hmm. I started with photographing my 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 friends' children, and uh, and within a year I was actually in business. So mm -hmm. it went really really fast from the day I picked up a camera just as a hobby to to turning it into a profitable business, and mm -hmm. it's just been nonstop since. I did ten years of commercial photography. Uh, I even opened a portrait studio at one point and decided, no, it's not for me. I I like. The, I like the challenge of of working with available light and uh, and being out outside. But then mm -hmm. I I dabbled in a lot of other things. Like I did product. I turned my studio into a product studio. I shot a lot on location. I, I worked um, 
in um, in all different genres of photography. Mm. And I learned a ton. At the time, it's like, yeah, I would always say yes. Somebody would, would ask me, oh, can you shoot food? Yes, <laughs> I do. <laughs> I have a $100 50-millimeter lens. That will do the trick. And I would do the job. And I figured, well, you know, if it doesn't work, no one gets hurt. And that, you know, that was 20 years ago. We couldn't just Google it, you know, we actually mm-hmm. had to learn by doing. Right. And right. Um, and so I, I did food photography, which was such a challenge, but I learned so much. I did a lot of interior uh, working with designers and architects. So I just tried my hand at so many different things. <laughs> and, that, and, and I would only stick with things that made me happy. Like weddings did not make me happy. I tried mm-hmm. a couple and I said, no, that's just not for me. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> And um, and then I was uh, shooting for myself, um, mostly when I traveled, um, and realized that I was actually doing street photography, and I didn't really know what that was. And mm-hmm. uh, and and then people started asking me to teach them how to do this, and and planted a little seed in my head. And ten years ago, I launched my first international workshop, and. A year later, I had quit my commercial photography, and I've been hmm. teaching and traveling from my work for the past ten years, except for this this past year. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's right, pretty much the right. story in a nutshell. <laughs> it happened yeah. quite fast, and yeah, uh, yeah. and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's not the stories like oh, I've always been a photographer since I was six years old. No, that wasn't me. I mean, I had cameras <laughs> as a child, but it was right. never never something I ever would consider pursuing Mm -hmm. actually my teachers all all told me that i sucked at art so i should never pursue anything in art (laughs) (laughs) and now i make a living with it so yeah that's wonderful (laughs) i was just gonna ask that so did you have any other inclinations or or interests in art before that before you picked up your camera uh music i actually um considered uh, when i was about uh a young teen, I mm-hmm. I was thinking of becoming a professional musician, mm. and then um, and no, I never even dared um, <laughs> attempt at drawing or painting until just quite recently, the past uh, couple years, where I started drawing and painting and mm-hmm. and and realizing like, wow, it's amazing how a teacher can actually ruin so many things mm-hmm. just by you know not seeing it in you and mm-hmm. you know trying to fit you in a mold that you right. not you can't don't fit in and and almost i almost never even considered any any art form because of it so that's why i started mm-hmm. so late <laughs> <laughs> your portfolio contains a broad range of impressive work i would say a common thread through all of your of all of this might be photographing people, but of course mm-hmm. I'm maybe oversimplifying it a little bit. Can you tell me a little bit more of, about your current work? I, I know you alluded to this a little bit with your with your summary, with, but you know, and and you you talked about how it has evolved. But what are your current favorite subjects and stories these days? Um, well, I'm best known for quote-unquote my street photography which i hate Mm -hmm. calling street photography i think it's just documentary (laughs) photography it's just Mm -hmm. capturing beautiful moments of everyday life and so that is really my um if i had to just pick one and i could not 
shoot anything else, uh, that's the one I would pick. I mean, that mm -hmm. really is truly where I'm the happiest. And I love sharing. I love teaching. Um, and I love seeing um, seeing the world through my lens, uh, literally. And so that is that is what um, that's what I make a living at as well. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I love photographing just the everyday object too. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, mm -hmm. I think it, it, everything you do in photography will, you know, will make you a better photographer. And I'm quite a purist in everything I do. It, it's, uh, it's mm -hmm. really getting the shot in camera. To me, that is so part of being a visual artist, so mm -hmm. part of being a photographer that, yes, there are people who love spending a lot of time in in um, the digital darkroom. That's right. just not me. <laughs> and that's why mm -hmm. what I shoot is really uh, – I, I wouldn't do landscape because – I, I wouldn't want to manipulate the mm -hmm. way people do now. And it seems right. like if a photograph of a landscape is not manipulated, it's, you know, nobody even looks at it. And I find that so sad because I think mm -hmm. it's usually overdone. And that totally, mm -hmm. that's a turnoff for me. And I like, I like simple. I like, um, I like to capture, I like to get my settings right in camera as much as possible. And if a picture mm -hmm. requires more than five seconds in, in Lightroom, mm -hmm. then I'm, I won't spend that more than that. That's mm -hmm. just, um, I, and I think that's why I'm so drawn to this type of photography because there's mm -hmm. nothing you can do in post processing right. to turn, right. <laughs> to turn a bad picture into a good one. I don't yeah, think you yeah. can do that with any <laughs> picture, but, um, you know, so, uh, why not get it right in camera? And and right, that is part of right. the merit too, I, yeah. I believe. So I was curious if we could go and check out your website and maybe I'd love to, you know, maybe pick a picture. If you could pick a picture or two from your website and maybe we could look at it together and maybe you can, and I'll link, link to the pictures eventually in the show notes too. But mm -hmm. I'd love, if you don't mind, and maybe, you know, we if you could tell me the story behind behind it, sure, that well, would be fun. You you can go <laughs> ahead. You know, uh, surprise. Or should me. I pick one or? Sure. or uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> go okay. Ahead. Well, there's there's such a big portfolio, so um, let's just go. Let's Stick just to go. the top. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the let's top ten, to, ten yeah. galleries in the portfolio. I know. Yeah, I need to right. really get rid of stuff in there. Right. Too, right. Old stuff, but. Um, yeah, let's let's go. Well, let's just start with the top. I like that. So I'm in the portfolio light and shadow. And I look just at the one right on the top in the middle. So we have this gentleman with the hat mm. kind of in yes. the dark. Yeah, so that's maybe one. Okay, well, this is actually I think I, um, I, I do write the creative vision behind the lens and a lot of my photographs I'm actually writing a new book about that uh, which I find is always a good way to teach because you know you you give your okay what was happening how did I approach it how did I get the shot so this one is actually you probably know the place it's mm -hmm. a farm in uh, just north of Minneapolis I can't hmm. think of the name but it's a historical farm where oh, okay. people are dressed in you know in um, the, the 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 farm like they did in the 1850s mm -hmm. and um 
And this, it was a cold um, November day, I remember. Um, there were very, very few people visiting. And I had seen this guy because I had visited that farm several times. And he just, you know, he does his thing as if he just lived in that era. <laughs> and uh, he was actually uh, busy talking with some, there was a, a family with two very uh, inquisitive children. <laughs> and he was um, explaining, you know, how he took care of the horses and everything. And I passed and I saw this, his, there is a, the, it was really, really harsh, harsh light, you know, mm -hmm, that midday mm -hmm. light right. where, and he's wearing this, um, this kind of large brim hat. So his face was completely in the shadow except for right. his lips and his chin. And then he's in front of a barn, that same thing, the, the side, part of the barn, the door is in bright sunlight and mm -hmm. the barn inside is in deep shadow. And I love keeping the shadows really deep and mysterious. Mm -hmm. So I actually walked by, saw this, I kind of got a little bit close. I didn't want to interrupt what he was doing. He was talking with that family. So I just grabbed the shot. I brought my exposure compensation down, probably a full stop to keep the shadows really deep. When I'm in black and white, I shoot in black and white in camera. This is hmm. probably, uh, this was probably Acros with a yellow filter, hmm. I would say. Hmm. Um, and, um, and then got the shot. So mm -hmm. this is a pretty simple, simple yeah. one, but really keeping the mystery. What something yeah. that really irks me when I critique uh, photographs is when uh, people bring out so much detail out of the shadows that it just kills the mood. Mm -hmm. And and the shadows mm -hmm. are just they're beautiful and they're deep. And uh, right. so that's right. a good example of that. <laughs> yeah. No. Wonderful. Well, thanks so much. That's great. And and I'm impressed that you remember all the details of the oh. of the shot. <laughs> it's uh, I, I call it the, um, the emotional metadata. Um, yeah, there you I, go. <laughs> I find is a lot more important than the the actual metadata of the picture because <laughs> when I see my work, doesn't matter how you know it could have been five six years ago. I remember so vividly because huh. the emotions come right back, and and that's what a photograph is. Is it's yeah. the reflection of your emotion at the time, and so yeah, I call that emotional metadata. <laughs> oh, cool! I, I like that. <laughs> well, if we let's do one more because I, mm -hmm. I I just stay on this page. I'm gonna sure. go a couple of rows down, and I see these people playing bull. Oh, I think they right. Don't. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and so yeah, curious about that one. Has an interesting angle and again, yeah, great light and. And that is just uh, straight out of camera. I, I, this is ex actually what I saw. I was walking along the at the street level on the sidewalk in Paris along hmm. the river, and and as you know, the French um, pastime. Uh, <laughs> everywhere you look, there are people playing the game of pétanque, which is mm -hmm. the equivalent to bocce ball in Italy, except they're metal, smaller, metal, heavier, and mm -hmm. then, uh, and so I looked down. And um, harsh shadows again, but I actually saw someone playing with his shadow. This is exactly <laughs> what I saw. And mm. I remember because I was with a friend and she, she, she saw me take the shot. And then I said, that was so, so funny. And she said, what's funny? And then mm. I showed her on the back of my camera. I said, look. Mm -hmm. And she said, oh, I, I, I would have never seen that. 
Um, so I, the, the guy is looking down at the game, the way he's, his position, and then across from him is the shadow of his opponent. Right. Right, we right. only see the shadow, and That's he's right. in that same exact same position. So it looks like you know, it's a runaway shadow, like the shadow mm-hmm. detached from him and went across the court because we only see the man and a detached shadow, but it looks like right. that shadow belongs to him. So, um, yeah. so it's really about uh learning to see there are moments yeah. like that everywhere we just pass right. them without seeing so yeah. the street photography is really more about learning to see than than the gear or the settings yeah. um because yeah. anyone can learn that uh the right. technical part of photography will always be the easy part yeah that's the easy part right <laughs> yeah. seeing is yeah. what people yeah. usually need help with mm-hmm yeah, I agree. Yeah, I love the I love the kind of the symmetry, the composition of this one too, with the you know the the shadow from the top left and the person and then the the actual person you know mm-hmm. on the, on the right. So so it's a great great composition too. So yeah, thanks. That's that's awesome. Yeah, thanks thanks for sharing those stories. Um, so. So Valerie, you are not only a photographer, you're also a blogger, podcaster, an author, but also an educator. Um, You mentioned some of that already, but um, I guess going into some of your workshops, what are some of the things that you see as common issues that keep coming up from your workshop attendees? You mentioned you've been doing that for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I guess I'm particularly interested in the artistic or creative issues as opposed to the gear technical ones oh absolutely which I know. <laughs> yeah and um, i'm so not a gear person i mean i've been shooting with the same camera for eight years well oh, different wow. <laughs> different version of it but i stick right. to the same camera because the camera only works if it becomes an extension of you and right. uh, and that's why i don't although i'm an official ex-photographer for fujifilm i mm-hmm. resist trying new gear because <laughs> i don't like it I, I think it's counterproductive yeah. to always be uh, playing with something new so right um no on on workshops so there uh, i teach street photography workshops and then i teach the art of of seeing photographically which is more travel which Mm -hmm. street photography obviously has a huge part is a huge part of travel photography but um i think a a lot of time people are actually too hung up on the gear and Mm -hmm. uh Mm -hmm. so they just it's about letting go and uh and and feeling good with just one focal length for a day a week a lifetime Mm -hmm. even Mm -hmm. it's just setting limitations will help people become better and uh i think people are just too yeah they're too much too much in the gear and they just worry so much about this and that and 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 then they forget to see and and then they end up with technically perfect pictures that are so boring because there is (laughs) nothing there so Mm -hmm. um so that's the first hurdle and i find that often when people come on my workshops, often they've been street photographers for a long time, and they just need uh, they just need a little boost in creativity, or they need to um, to get back into it. So they already kind of know the you know how to approach street photography. Other times they're completely new people, and mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. It, and and I can teach any level on any workshop because it's about learning to see. So mm-hmm. people come, and if they're newer to photography i find that they see better because hmm. they're hmm. not so worried about the gear and the settings right, and changing right. lenses so whether mm-hmm. they just use a, 
uh, one lens for the week or they use their phone, they will see better because they're, they're really focusing their attention on seeing light, shadows, expressions, emotions. And uh, so that's, that's one thing. And then mm-hmm. um, also because I find that obviously on the streets, respect is the their golden rule mm-hmm. um people see how i do it and how i can make myself invisible even if i get really close to people but it's always very respectful and and um then they i think they relax um a mm-hmm. lot of people are you know in, in the, on the streets are kind of nervous and right. that will um that will usually trigger um they they send the wrong vibes and then people right. will <clears throat> notice them so it's really important to just feel good know what you're doing is super important and mm-hmm. and feel good about what you're doing so it's yep. really about letting go of a lot of baggage and preconceived ideas and uh, mm-hmm. and things like that so mm-hmm. oh that's great now You are also teaching a class called Contemplative Photography. Um, It states, among other things, that attendees will learn how to make mundane objects look extraordinary. I like that. (laughs) So can you give us, maybe without giving away secrets, but a little bit of, you know, an idea of what what some of the things are you're, you're, you're trying to teach your students with, you know, with that? Because I think I, I love, I love that actually, that concept. Yeah, and actually, it's something I've always done, and I always, you know, teach. Even when I'm out on the streets, you know, I can't mm-hmm. help myself but say, "Oh, look at <laughs> what the light is doing to this on this window," or "Look at this," or "Look at that." And uh, so it, and I'm actually launching a, a new set of workshops uh, that hmm. is just going to be about that way of seeing um next year, which I'm really, really excited. It's gonna, it's, it's the, the workshops are gonna be called See with your heart and that is pretty much what it is it's really really hard to describe contemplative photography and i can't even say the word yeah i know i almost couldn't (laughs) say it's a difficult (laughs) word for us right and so and so it's really about um again letting go and just Mm. um and connecting with your aesthetic view of the world excuse me and um um you know in respect to shapes or textures or patterns or shadows or sometimes it's color so it, it includes minimalism you know um mm-hmm. definitely but it's so much more than that so it's something right. that i i just published an ebook about that and, and i may be writing a more in-depth version of that book mm-hmm. um because it's really hard to put into words it's something that i can show and 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 uh, but putting it into words is really difficult because right, we all have right. a different interpretation of, interpretation of what it is. But mm-hmm. it's something that people have had to do at one point or another, especially recently with the pandemic, where people have been stuck in their homes. Um, right. it, people are, you know, the 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 true photographers will not. I mean, we didn't put the camera away for a year, you know, right, they kept right. shooting whatever was available. And, mm-hmm. um, and that's something everyone should do every day is those 
visual push-ups, you know, just mm-hmm. find look at an object and there are exercises in the book too. look at an object um, that, you know, that's near your window and look how, you know, how the light, how the light, um, uh, what the light does to it. Right, you know, it could right. be something you, you never notice, but at a certain time of the day, the light will hit it just so, and it turns uh, not an ordinary lamp into uh, something mm-hmm. really beautiful. So it's really about uh, learning to see, learning to see photographically, learning mm-hmm. to, to see details um, and make you can make anything look really beautiful. And, and that's one of my winter projects, actually, uh, <laughs> Objet du Jour, because mm-hmm. it, they're just objects that I, I don't move them. I don't touch them. I don't stage them. I just, it's like a dance around the, mm-hmm. it's just like street photography, really, because nothing right. is staged. So it's kind of a mm-hmm. dance to get the best possible angle while remaining invisible and uh, and not disruptive whatever caught your attention in the first place where here I'm doing the same with inanimate object by um, by finding different ways of photographing them to make them look extraordinary so uh, mm-hmm. that's been actually super fun um, <laughs> just just doing it you know whether it's at home right. or if I visit a friend's studio and I you know usually I have a, a several friends who are amazing painters and mm-hmm. painters have the most beautiful <laughs> studios, especially <Yeah. laughs> here in Minneapolis, you know, the art right. district, we have those yes. really yeah. mm-hmm. big buildings with those beautiful windows and you have all mm-hmm. this amazing light flooding in. And, and I love to just walk around the space and just, just grab shots of paintbrushes and things like that. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's what it is. And, uh, yeah. and I'm, I'm so excited to launch this, I think that's what I needed because I, I needed to kind of differentiate. You know, people come on my workshop just for the street. Mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. people come on my workshops for the travel, how to, you know, how to to make your own iconic photograph of a place, which, of course, street photography is so important. You know, if you mm-hmm. don't include the the human element, you're mm-hmm. missing the mark. And mm-hmm. then, but then there are people who just don't want to do street photography. And I feel like I have so much more to offer and so much more to teach. So um, the See With Your Heart series will start um, start next year. And I'm so excited mm. about it. So a oh, different great. way to see my favorite cities around the world. <laughs> Wonderful. So, so speaking of the pandemic, you know, it's been challenging for all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, I I'm, and you alluded to some of that already, how you adapted to the pandemic. I read in, on your blog that adaptability was is one of your new favorite words. But anyway, so um, just curious how, you know, how you adapted to the pandemic with regards to your, your work. Um, well, it just kind of took everything away from me because mm-hmm. you know i i had a full year of workshops you know a, a workshop at least a month in a different country and right. i had to just you know stop uh, like everybody else mid-march mm-hmm. i was actually uh, teaching in lisbon portugal mm-hmm. and then made a quick stop in france on my way back for a week and then lockdown so i mm-hmm. was on one of the last commercial flights back to the u.s and wow. uh 
And not only my livelihood was taken from me because teaching workshop is how I make a living, mm -hmm. um, but it's my oxygen. You know, I, right, I need right. to be out sharing and teaching. That's what makes me so happy. So the I think like everyone else, the first few weeks were kind of tough. So I started um, setting up a lot of online classes and um, mm -hmm. presenting for photo clubs and societies and things like that online. Um Uh, signing up to uh, present for online conferences. So it was kind of like the logistic part of things. Like, okay, now <laughs> all my, you know, <laughs> all my income is going to be, you know, I didn't even think it would last over a year, but <laughs> I thought, okay, at least for the rest of the year, I'm going to have to cancel everything. So let's switch gear. Um, so that was kind of the logistic part of things at first, mm -hmm. which was very depressing because the office part of my business is the part that I don't like. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh no, this is really, mm -hmm. really tough. And then, um, and then I, I thought, well, no matter how long, even if it's three months, I cannot just not photograph for three months. I need to mm -hmm. find ways to get out and, and find some meaningful projects and things I can do with my camera locally. Yeah. So I uh, I did uh, I we had a puppy so I, I spent <laughs> quite a bit of time photographing photographing her uh, then I started a project um, on small local businesses um, mm. and started photographing um, that is not actually on the website yet I okay. blogged about okay. it but it's called uh, shop local okay. so I photograph um, and it's on my blog I photograph about eight maybe ten local businesses so with everything that it you know and uh, that was may june at the time so everything that uh that it in, in, in involved you know wearing masks and and finding creative ways to photograph people because when you are a photographer photographing people wearing masks it's like oh you know <laughs> it just hides all that's so beautiful yeah. about photographing people yeah. you know the emotion and everything so right. um and, and then working around all those uh All, all that was actually really good. And people already back then were so starved for human contact. So I would, um, I picked some businesses that were outdoors. Like I photographed a farrier, um, putting shoes on a horse, you know, at a farm mm -hmm. outside. Um, or, you know, we just with respect of, uh, of distancing and all of us wearing masks, I photographed a, a bike shop. Um, I photograph a record shop owner and, hmm. and little details that I would find. Again, it was all, it was an exercise in limitations just mm -hmm. to get me out. So I would pick, oh, yeah. uh, it was all done black and white in camera. All the settings were done in camera. And, um, so I, I set those limitations because those are projects that I'm doing for me anyway. So, mm -hmm. uh, the goal is to get me working a little harder and, to get me excited about shooting. And then mm -hmm. I would send the, the people, I, I photographed a shoemaker. Um, so I, I, sent, I sent everyone the pictures, uh, guitar repair shop. So that, was, uh, that, that kept me going for a few weeks. Um, mm -hmm. So that was really, really good. Because mm -hmm. the streets, I was kind of, I, I didn't even want to be out on the street. I remember right. in May, June, going back to Minneapolis and, you know, trying to play with light a little bit, but yeah. <laughs> I, it was so deserted and so sad. empty, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's sad. I agree. So, so and, and yeah. yeah. Oh, thank you. Well, so so speaking of that, you know, I was curious. You know, have you ever had like creative 
block or what people refer to as or just difficulty of finding inspiration i mean obviously you know you're teaching you've always you're always doing it and i understand that but you know aside from that maybe more for your personal work or you yeah, know do you well, alluded yeah I, anyway yeah, so. <laughs> uh well yeah i think we all do um and uh but i think you, that's why i always follow my heart when i'm mm -hmm. i never i, I unless I'm working on a specific project where actually I have a goal, I know, you know, what, mm -hmm. but I, I like the surprise too. Like I would never, when I did those um, shop local projects, I, I didn't, I didn't want to see what the space looked like or even where it was located before I was there. And I only right. allowed myself about 20 minutes because of the pandemic, you know? So mm -hmm. I like that surprise element because it adds mm -hmm. a level of difficulty, which is, you know, I embrace the challenge. Uh, right. So when I'm out, um, when I'm out, I just respond to, to light. Um, I really let my mood, I let my mood um, um, guide me really. Mm -hmm. So you know, I could be in a color mood or in a black and white mood. And so all this comes into play. And then sometime, yeah, you just need that extra little boost. And that's why I still have one camera that can put, that can take and turn, interchangeable lenses and that's mm -hmm. when i use my lens baby um <laughs> creative manual focus lenses just to play sure. and see differently yep. so you just have to find ways or some people need a little boost um and some assignments you know so mm -hmm. um that that's another book i wrote you know assignments yep. to get you out the door because right. sometimes you just need that little extra kick yep, um, yep. <laughs> yeah and and that's that's good too so i think we all I'll do that, but I'm just so happy the moment I have a camera in my hand that uh, I usually <laughs> it kind of comes, but it comes naturally. It comes naturally, yeah. So you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about street photography. Um, it is a genre that seems to have exploded in the last few years, mm -hmm. and maybe also shifted from a more, you know, as you said, documentarian genre to a genre maybe encompassing fine art elements or you mm -hmm. know, other things. So what, what is your, what is your sense of street photography now and, you know, this new year and, and going forward and um, maybe the other the second part to that question would be what's, what is your advice for somebody who is interested in that, in that genre? And I know, you know, genres have limitations and so, but, you know, let's just, call it street photography for now for lack of a better <laughs> for a better term um well i think first of all you have to do something you enjoy if you mm -hmm. if you're so nervous and and you're sweating bullets by at the thought of photographing strangers well then you you're doing it wrong and there's so so many ways to approach it actually and 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 so a lot of time people have the misconception that being a street photography being a street photographer is being in people's face and mm -hmm. yes that's one <laughs> way to do it and that's certainly not my way to do it uh, i can get really close to people really close to the point where i you know i can touch them but there's never going to be that that feel that i'm in their face so um you can get close to people very respectfully and still capturing a, a beautiful moment i think for a while people were seeing a lot of uh um a lot of pictures of people who were startled like deers in 
deer, that's right, no S, deer in <laughs> headlights uh, type of look. Like, And I hate mm-hmm. that. It's fine if people notice me and make eye contact at the moment that I press the shutter, but that's going to be completely spontaneous and organic. And sometimes that's what makes the photograph work and that's what makes it strong. But provoking that eye contact or coming really close to people to get a reaction, that is that can yield some really strong, powerful photograph. But imagine if everyone was doing it that way, that would be the death of street mm-hmm. photography. So mm-hmm. you, there is a way that people can really start it um, that is definitely more minimalist. You don't have to be so close. You can, like, again, you know, you can do it... Um, you can you can have a more minimalist approach you can photograph people especially now when you can't really get close to people or there are no crowds anyways so um, photograph um a you know find a great great spot great architectural background and and be a more minimalist but then even then you still have to be really discerning as to what is going to make a strong a strong subject you know the gesture the the stepping all that is going to make or Mm -hmm. break the photograph but you don't have to be close to people to do this and actually a lot of the more um sought sought after uh photographs uh are the one that are more uh, the more artsy let's say mm-hmm. uh, street photographs are usually more minimalist you know mm-hmm. and that's okay that that right. that's one way to do it i don't I'm not stuck in one way of doing it. Mm-hmm. I like doing abstract. I like getting really close. I like doing silhouettes. I like doing minimalist. I like I like to look for emotions and gesture. I also sometimes find a great backdrop and I'll just wait. I <laughs> I let the mood and the and the light dis, um the, the mood my mood and the light um um make that decision for me. So I just mm-hmm. kind of follow follow my heart. Uh, mm-hmm. whatever will will come so i like to be surprised because mm-hmm. i'm not afraid to get close i shoot at 23 millimeter all the time so mm-hmm. i that's the way i see and uh, so i can get super close but some days i just don't feel like being very close anyway so then i'll mm-hmm. i'll photograph a more minimalist way or I'll, I'll play with silhouettes i mean those are easier shots to get but mm-hmm. they can be very rewarding and gratifying oh, yeah. as well Mm-hmm. Now, you know, when you think about, and, and, and you, you alluded to that during the course of our discussion this morning already, you, you're shooting often from the heart and intuitively, if I may say mm-hmm. so. Um, would you still say that sometimes you still visualize your, your pictures before you even, or as you're pressing the shutter? Do you kind of see it at that moment? Or how do you, what oh. are your thoughts about visualization in that sense? Yes, absolutely. Like if okay. I'm, um, if I find that's usually when you're fishing in street photography. Like yeah, you're, <laughs> the fisher you're, uh, the hunter, right? <laughs> yes. So you're waiting. You find this beautiful light or beautiful backdrop, and 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 light is fleeting. So you know you only have a few minutes anyway, and so you you have to visualize what would make a strong photograph. So. And that's very important because people too often settle. And that's one common mistake that I see on workshops mm-hmm. um, or on critique sessions is people f- see the potential and then they settle for the first person that's going to walk through the frame. <laughs> and it's going to be, you know, someone that is, you know, either carrying something like, you know, people with backpacks are like horrible on street photography because they, <laughs> and it's not very elegant. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so you'll have this person walking through with 
or even a, a potential for a beautiful silhouette. And then you'll have this person walking through and they're carrying a backpack. And so you have this hump. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's like, okay, the, sub, the the light was beautiful. Why did you ruin it with <laughs> such a horrible uh, subject? So you have to be discerning. So you have, mm-hmm. and that's something I do. I'd rather not get the shot than settle for a shot that's just going to be mediocre. Mediocre mm-hmm. should not be part of our vocabulary, period. You, you either get, you either... And sometimes something better than what you envision will come through. That's happened too, where, mm-hmm. you know, you say, okay, this light, the architecture, this all calls for, you know, someone with long flowing hair, you know, that's going to catch the cat, catch, that's going to catch the light, mm-hmm. um, like mm-hmm. uh, a nice flowing um, dress, for example. And you never know that happens. Sometimes something better happened, but I'm not going to press the shutter. If that doesn't happen, I'd rather not have anything than have a shot. It's like, oh, yeah, well, I guess that's better than nothing. <laughs> that never, 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 mm-hmm. never. So I, I feel like it's, uh, I don't want to ruin a good backdrop with a mediocre subject. So mm-hmm. I have really high standards and I'm really, really hard on myself. I, I, I'm very discerning as to mm-hmm. what makes a, a good subject. Mm-hmm. That said, when you practice, there's so many other things that even if the the photograph itself is not going to be great, you still need to practice cat cat practice catching the the dynamic stepping of a subject or you know separation um, right. uh, if it's a silhouette and things like that. So then when you practice, you know every uh, anyone will do, but when mm-hmm. you want to have a keeper. That's it's not going to happen in the next ten minutes. You're probably going to have to, you know, go back and back and uh, again until you, mm-hmm. finally you get the photograph you you envision. I mean, this is the hardest thing anyone is ever going to attempt at shooting is street photography. So they're not going to get a keeper every day, or if right, they do, right. then it's maybe the bar is too low. Yeah. <laughs> so, are you in your street photography? Are you are you going back to the same places? No, I hate no. it. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> no, it's actually funny that you say that because yeah, I was, I was just curious. <laughs> I was just at the Walker, you know, that yep. museums are reopening in Minneapolis. Yep. So, yep. Uh, which actually I was really impressed. Uh, they had so limited, you know, time slots, and you could yep. you know, very few people. It was very safe and done yeah. really well. Yep. So yep. good to be back in a gallery again. Yeah. And I actually cool. went to a, a month ago or so. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> and there is this. Uh, this tunnel kind of, you know, architecture. Mm-hmm. And and I I got, years ago, I got a really good shot there. And uh, and so it, that spot is ruined for me now. Because <laughs> I know I probably, it's first of all, it's too easy. I know mm-hmm. exactly how to capture that shot. And, and now it's kind of ruined. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I did actually, because I, I so needed to photograph people and light because you know we're just so ready to get back out so i did get a silhouette in that same uh i actually i got three really good Hmm. shots that five years ago would have made me so happy (laughs) but i posted one and then i thought yeah it doesn't do it for me because i had already shot that location and and so it happens like i know the like when i'm on location like if i'm in paris with with students 
I will show them because that's the advantage too. You know, you kind of mm-hmm. know what the light is going to do at what, what time and, and the backdrop. So I love showing them a sample. It's like, okay, this is the type of shot you can get at that spot. So um, then they get, like, they get really excited because like, wow, this is really cool. They're never going to get the <laughs> same shot anyways. You know, you, you, mm-hmm. your photograph is completely unique no one will ever get the same one no one ever will even you can't replicate it which right, is the beauty right. of street photography but but then you repeat yourself if you use the same setting so and that's yeah. part of the challenge and the excitement it's always finding a new location and even mm-hmm. if you're in a small town there are there always a spot that you haven't even thought of or the mm-hmm. way the light will hit a wall at a certain time or that shaft of light that you can use <laughs> and so there is always a way so uh i i i like to find new new places and even when i'm teaching in cities that i know really well Mm-hmm. I I always change my itineraries just to keep it exciting for me too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good to know. Um, I'm curious about. Um, have you done any film photography? Maybe when you started, or <clears throat> is that something? Yes, you... actually, I even shot I even shot weddings in film. Uh, oh, okay. When wow. I started, okay. I actually I started yeah. with my first camera was uh, my first serious camera was uh, a film camera uh 20 some year 20 yeah about 22 years ago when i I really picked up photography seriously so yeah i did shoot film quite a bit uh and then before that you know uh we all had cameras growing up and and i was all film but um i'm not i actually i do have a vintage um 50 uh, 1954 um russian camera which Hmm. um i I'm not quite drawn. I don't know. I feel like, <laughs> why? <laughs> and I don't really have time. And it's like, what if I yeah. get the bug? Then what do yeah. I do? I really don't have time to add yeah, that other right. element. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I'm okay, okay with digital. And and I yeah. treat my digital camera like a film camera in the sense yeah. that I don't machine gun it. You know, I don't right. shoot thousands right. of frames. I I love the limit. I love working with limitations. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you, and you mentioned that a little bit previously, you're, you're quite selective. So you're kind of like shooting like film, but, but also when you, you know, would you, when you take your, you know, your SD card home and, you know, would you basically, when do you do your selections, I guess? And when, you know, how do you go about that, that kind of, that, that um, well, actually, yes, I will. Um, so every after every walk, I usually look at my pictures right away that day or the next day. I don't wait okay. three weeks like some people. I just, you know, I'm too excited anyways. To, yeah. <laughs> I want to see what I captured. So um, let's say I shot 30 frames. Mm-hmm. Um, I will um, open them in uh, in Lightroom because I like to, I use the X, you know, to... Uh, to get rid of them. So I I open them in Lightroom because then I will, so I go through my pictures and let's say I have 30 frames. I will X probably 25 in Hmm. one, when the first pass, Hmm. and then I will, I will select all those and I will delete them from the hard drive. Hmm. So then I'm left. And then maybe I flagged one out of the 30 that I know is a keeper. So then I'll go back again and I'll probably X a couple more. And then I'm just going to look at the one that's flagged and I'll probably have one or two that are left there that are just 
I don't know. But I have, I'm pretty ruthless. I, <laughs> I get rid of stuff. I don't, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it's not, if I didn't do it correctly, there is nothing I'm going to do in post-processing to save the shot. I'm not going to clone. I'm not going to remove elements. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll crop ever so slightly if needed. Yes. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but I always try to, to get it, you know, to get the right frame in camera, but sometimes you cannot get close enough. So there, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to say, oh, maybe someday there is a software that can, you know, right. turn <laughs> a, a unsharp, that can sharpen a picture or something. It's like, no, yeah. that, 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 <laughs> that defeats the purpose. What's right. my job as a photographer to do it right. So I don't want right. a software to save me. So mm-hmm. I get rid of stuff very quickly okay. and only keep, um, yeah, I, I only keep um what what should be a ratio actually yeah. I, I mean having a keeper in 30 is actually pretty optimistic but yeah okay yeah. well that's good to know i'd but like it's to more talk likely. oh so, sorry. sorry but it's more yeah. likely than if you sh- shoot a thousand um yeah <laughs> i think the, the less you shoot the more discerning oh, yeah. you're going to be and you're going to be yeah. a more liberate photographer right. and you're going to do better work so right if the rate of keeper goes up the less you shoot yeah mm-hmm. right and and you're but you are already selective as you're shooting in yes. a way, right? Yeah. So yeah, so that mm-hmm. that helps as well. <laughs> and who um, wants to look through hundreds and hundreds yeah. of pictures every time they go out the door? Right, oh. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it is so easy with digital, right, to really overshoot. I mean, I think yeah. that's one of the, the problems. But um yeah. Sorry, uh, yeah, so I, I'd like to talk a little bit about printing your work. Um, you know, a, a topic I I like to bring up usually my conversations with other photographers. So what are your thoughts about, you know, printing our work um, in our digital age? And do you do you often print print your work or do you stay often quite digital? Uh, I think it's so important to print. And um, and I always, always preach it in my, you know, my classes <laughs> or in my podcast, like print at least once a month, you know, at least your favorite print of the month. And uh, do as I say that as I do, because uh, I I don't print once a month. I should, but I don't print myself. So okay. um, again, that's kind of an art in its own. And um, I, I use a really good lab and and they do great work. And so I trust them. And actually, it's okay. a lot more cost efficient <laughs> than right, doing it yourself. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. But yes, it's so important. So I, I print when I exhibit my work, but I... I do print, I would say, several times a year still, okay. and I do books. So, um, right. and I, I did two fine art books in uh, 2019. Hmm. One was a great experience. The second one was not because I realized how difficult it is to get um, good black and white printing done these days. So mm-hmm. I was so turned off by the whole printing thing. Hmm. Um, but for to to print you know just fine art prints to put on your wall or um and i do give uh signed prints um to uh, on work on some workshops i will i mm. will bring some small prints that are signed kind of a as a right. little um little uh, it's better than a flash drive with your logo yeah. on it you know just right. something for my students nice. to keep yeah. and so i i and i i print for that and i print for 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 myself as well, but not as much as I should. And actually mm-hmm. not talking about it, I, I think I'm going to print some of my favorite <laughs> shots of 2020. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. 
because well, it, it's so important um, yeah, to it's have. So fun. Yeah. It's like reading and, you know, I write yeah. uh, half ebooks, half real paper books. And yeah. I, I write ebooks. I hate reading them. I hate yeah, reading too. an ebook. <laughs> you know, it's just, but, right. but they have their place. Yeah. But looking at fine art and a real book, it's yeah. so, it's so, so nice. different. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So, so you mentioned your podcast, and that was actually my my next question. And and before we're wrapping it up, um, so as a podcaster uh, yourself, I would love to talk to you a little bit about your podcast, and um, we'll of course link to your podcast in the show notes as well. So, what's the focus of your po podcast, and um, how do you kind of keep it? keep it going and find new topics <laughs> it's actually my second part i've been podcasting for eight years never missed, oh, wow. never wow. missed uh, a, a thursday release um, oh, cool. yes i was uh part of the twip network early on and okay. this week in photo and my show was street focus so i did do about a hundred and some weeks um never missed a, a thursday release nice. and then um and then I left the network and started Hit the Streets, which is under my own brand. Mm -hmm. And um, and I don't know. It's been a few years. I About a year ago, I switched to every other Thursday. because, And that was a big decision because when you're used mm -hmm. to releasing every Thursday for so many years. Um, and now it's every other week. So it's a lot more manageable for me because of my travel right. schedule on a normal year. Right. Mm -hmm. And so Hit the Streets, it's really about inspiration, about urban photography but not always it's a lot about sometimes it's about travel sometimes it's about streets I, I talk with photographers who work on some really cool projects and uh, i want to talk about it it's about inspiration really yeah it yep. is about inspiration and um and i i think i'm at episode 181 or something oh, wow. I really <laughs> lost track. so so yeah that's, that's i've recorded more than 300 podcast episodes between the two the two shows um right. in all those years so it's it's fun and there are times where i think why am i still doing this you know how much work it is <laughs> yeah yeah and finding interesting people to talk to and everything right. and, and the consistency of the release is so important and that's pressure yep. but right. I've met a lot of really fun people through the podcast too, the people mm -hmm. that I've actually met in their own countries when I travel. So I, I like it. I only do things that are fun. If they're not yeah. fun, I'm not going to do it. So there's right. no money in podcasting. So you yeah. really have to do it. It's a labor you gotta of enjoy love. it. <laughs> and and so are you are you do you always have guests or do you sometimes do solo shows as well? Yeah, I, I I tried solo shows, but then I go on and on and on and yeah. on and I just can't stand listening to myself for, yeah. for that long. So I was like, no yeah. one is gonna listen to this. Yeah. Um now I, I always have something to say. That's the problem. I talk too much. Uh so <laughs> I find that I prefer to have someone to bounce back and okay. forth. You know, it's okay. just it's like a conversation. Nothing is ever prepared rehearsed i keep it really simple but that's what people like it's just a conversation yep. as if we were just having coffee like we're doing right. now so i like yep. that mm -hmm. yeah oh awesome well great well um i think my my last question is just where can people find you best and uh... um well it's pretty easy my name will probably um even if you google it will probably You'll probably find a lot, but uh, my website, yep. valeriejardin.com, V-A-L-E-R-I-E-J-A-R-D-I-N, <clears throat> all in one work, and that's yep. where I'm on Instagram. I'm okay. barely on Facebook anymore. I don't okay. even have access to it. I post on a page, but 
I think Facebook, it's kind of, you know, yeah. <laughs> not a good place for photographers anymore. No, so Instagram so. is where it's at. So mm -hmm. I like it. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Valerie. It was a thank lot of you. fun to talk to you and learn about your photography and journey. And uh, yeah, have a, have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Valerie Chardin. You can find the show notes with links to Valerie's work, as well as the images we discussed at danielsigphotography.com forward slash episode 029. Thanks so much for listening and talk to you next time.